So it's astounding as we look at the lessons so far, all these attributes of him being intentional, purposeful, loving, unlimited, creative power. He made everything and he made it perfect. Lucifer, as we discovered, as you're saying, Emil, perfect, beautiful, because God is holy. That's an attribute that's totally inseparable from him and his holiness just invades every aspect of all the other attributes that we're going to continue to learn. And I think it's just amazing. Why do we hang out so long in creation? It's because there's just so much revealed of God there, as I was just pointing to those pictures, right? His order, faithfulness, purposefulness. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So, where we left off in the creation event, Tony said day 6.5, something like that, right? At this point in creation, we have light, atmosphere, earth, vegetation, sun, food, moon, like the, the solar system or whatever, universe, and the animals. Does that mean that God had finished his creating at this point? Not quite. What, what still is looming? Us, people, humans, humanity, mankind, homo sapiens, whatever you say that. <laughs> people, yeah, they haven't been created yet, but God has perfectly set the stage for this climax. And again, just like the water was, was gathered together in the, the firmament, the sky for the birds and the fish, so too he was making everything ready for people. You think about a movie director, and I think I always feel like this is a good, good way to look at it. A movie director, you know, he, he, he hires the people that are going to play the part, but you don't really see them until like, the area is chosen for where the film is going to be shot. And then, you know, they get the props and the, all the things that you get going. I mean, you can even be thinking now of Christmas, right? Like people are getting the Christmas props set up and do we have enough robes for the shepherd kids? And, you know, who's going to provide the sheep and the donkey this year for the stage? There's a lot of directing that happens to get the stage set, right? What do you think is happening up to this point with God's creation? The stage is being set, isn't it? God wants the scene to be as good as possible. And for him, that's perfect. But it's not complete yet because we haven't seen humanity enter the, enter the picture. So it's incomplete up to this point. I think it's just a cool way to look at it. So in today's lesson, we're going to continue learning about God and his purpose for humanity. And we're going to take a look at a few more foundational truths. So um, our hook is God is the source of all life. <clears throat> so in this uh, lesson tonight, we'll, we'll delve into uh, how Adam was created, how he was created different than anything else, like the, the, the way in which he was made. Uh, we'll look at Eve briefly, but we'll touch a little more on her next lesson. So we're just going to be briefly on Eve, uh, the first woman. And uh, it's just going to be, yeah, cool to see the differences as we kind of run along people from animals and anything else that God created and, and why we're so different than anything else that was made. <clears throat> because um, as we'll continue to develop this, or God will develop this through the teaching of his word, Adam is our forefather. He is, he is the one that began with Eve, the line of humanity. So yeah, the, the hook, God is a source of all life. And then other truths you'll see highlighted in this lesson um, is that God created all people for a relationship with himself. And God is the sole source, sustainer, and owner of all life. There could be other truths embedded in here, and if there's something that really stands out to you guys, I, please like, say, like, hey, this is what I'm seeing. That would be cool, because it might be something I've missed, or maybe just something that God is speaking to you personally right now, and it could benefit the group, so don't be shy. Do you guys want to flip with me to Genesis chapter 1? And we'll read verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I will. I'm just testing everyone's sword drill here. <laughs> What's that? Oh, I'm supposed to start. I wasn't in Awana. 
I, I missed out on that childhood rearing of that goodness, so. I don't know if I call it goodness. Really? <laughs> okay, let's not touch on that. We're not here to talk about Awana. Awana's great. Um, <clears throat> okay, so it says here, does somebody want to read that for me? Genesis 1, 26. So right out, right out the gate there, does it catch your eye when it says, let us? So I thought we talked earlier that God didn't need to consult anybody for anything he was doing or making. So who is God consulting here? Is he consulting a, a they, a them? What? <laughs> I don't know. Give me your best answer. Yeah, exactly. You got it. Yeah. The us, the hour is, yeah, God the Father. Yeah, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. They were there three in one, three persons in one being from before anything began. But our bodies like the Holy Spirit too, because body, soul, and spirit, right? Go together, right? We'll touch on that a little bit. Just hang on to that thought for a moment. Um, So they were discussing their plan to create man. There's none equal to God, as we already have learned, because he's unlimited in everything. There's none equal. He doesn't need to discuss anything. So the three of them, like that banana analogy I used, are planning creation. God added this detail to help us understand more the fullness of who he is. And I think it's a cool picture here of unity, of of equal among the the God, the Godhead, the the three in one. None was greater, none was less. Often in churches or circles of different denominations, we can kind of elevate one. Like God's a big guy, Jesus is like the next guy down the rung, and then you know the Holy Spirit, you know, is the caboose or whatever picks up the rear. But it's like three, three and one, equal. And right here they're just saying, let let us make man in our image. <clears throat> it's not like God saying, Okay, so I'm the father here. I'm gonna do this, and do you guys check in on that? That's okay. So just a cool little plug there. I mean, God doesn't waste words in his word. So the fact that he put that there, I believe, is just adding more for what we can pull from it. So according to this passage, how did God make us? There's a key phrase here. It's like my Bible. This is probably your second line down. Yeah. Right. Sorry, yeah, I forgot that it's up there too. Pardon? Right, yeah, in our image, that's the big one, yeah, in our likeness. He was speaking about spirit and soul here, and often in our world today, we're so, like, we're in the tangible. It's like, you know, I have to feel it to know it's real. I have to see it to know it's real. But this is the real us here in God's image, the spirit and the soul. Body, soul, and spirit, right? When God made us like himself, he wasn't speaking about our bodies, I don't think, at this point. He doesn't have a body. He's spirit. God is spirit. John 4.24 speaks to that. The neat thing, as we start lining up... Sorry, there's never a good spot for me to stand, but as as we continue lining up mankind and angels charts here, I mean, there's lots where we see, you know, God exists in the beginning, eternal and greater than all, not us, not the angels. You know, we need God's help. Angels need God's help. I mean, we're all dependent on God, whether mankind or angel but you can also see there's differences here too like you know we have a body angels have a spirit there are there are still differences but within these differences god also had us in a special a special place compared to the angels Um, the angels weren't in the same sense created in god's image the bible only describes humans like this why would God create humanity in his image, do you guys think? To show what he's like. Hmm. Yeah, to reveal his attributes. Hmm. 
Yeah, representatives. Yeah. I think it also enabled some uh, this special relationship, right? That we would have, I realize it's in a minuscule way, but we would have aspects of him for this relationship. And also in the aspect of sharing and caring for creation, for what God made. Other reasons you guys see? Again, I don't have all the answers. This is a, just time to discuss. Why else do you think God made us in his image? Yeah, no, it's all good. Just if there's more on that's pressing in your mind. He wanted to, yeah, he wanted to. God elevated humanity above the rest of creation. I mean, he made the animals, he made the vegetation, the angels were made. And then he makes mankind. And we'll see as we read in scriptures that one of the unique reasons God created us in his image is for us to have this special relationship with him. God gave us the ability to have this special relationship because being made in his image, I think. He gave us, I'm not going to say that there's only these three abilities, but I believe there's these three abilities that would enable us to engage with him in a loving personal relationship and to think and to reason, similar to God, to feel and to have emotion like God, to make decisions and choices like God. And I mean, and this, this like is like a massive decrease. Like, I, you know, God is so high and above, far beyond um, in these areas than us. But there is a reflection that's, that's there of, of our creator. And I'm not saying that the animals and, and, uh, and plants can't, you know, respond in certain, to certain things. I mean, we know that plants respond to light and water and that kind of thing. And we know that animals uh, respond to pain and hunger, and that's what drives them on. Of course, those aspects play in for them, but they were not created equal to humanity. And I just want to touch on, I think... Sometimes as you just sort of watch our world play out, it's fascinating to me to see what God ordains in the Bible begins to slowly take this flip on its head. Like, I mean, how many things have I seen about dogs lately? And I'm sorry if there's dog lovers here. We love dogs in our home as well. But, but I mean, just I've seen things where there's like pet cemeteries and pet crematoriums. And um, I mean, it's good if people want to pay for that. I mean, like, Absolutely. good on you. But I mean, like, I'm not going to give you money to do that. Like, Fifi's going in the ditch somewhere. But, uh, ooh, sorry, don't sue me. <laughs> but, uh, but in all honesty, right, even to the degree where, like, again, I know I talk a lot about my kids, but I think that helps make these lessons more personal. But uh, when our firstborn came about, his great-grandmother was at the bank, and she later told us this story. She's like, yeah, I was just telling the teller. She was asking, like, what's new? And she's like, well, I have a, great, a new great-grandson. And like, oh, is it four-legged or two-legged? And she's like, <laughs> she's like, I thought she was joking. I had to pick my jaw up off the floor to realize she was serious. But that's, that, that's where we are, and that's where I think when we're in a world where you start to see this topsy-turvy happening, and that's why I'm touching on this, because... We laugh about it, but that is the reality. And, and maybe that rubs some of you, and I'm okay with that. God's word will rub you. And if it's not, we're probably not handling it correctly. Yeah. The reason why God made us is to take care of everything and to rule over everything, to rule over so that we may rule over the animals and to take care of everything, the animals, and take care of everything in the whole world, eh? Like our, like our, our kids and everything. Yeah, yeah, and we'll touch on that as well. Yeah, to be caretakers. Caretakers. For sure. And not to pollute the earth. Yeah. To keep it clean. Yeah, it's just when that takes the place of God, or takes the place of God's order. God's order, So... We've talked about animals and plants, but, and then there's also angels. I mean, I'm also... Angels, too. I mean, they, they, they're intelligent. They do have a relationship with God. I mean, they, we read already that they receive His commands. They do His bidding. 
They worship him. Um, they experience joy as they observe God's work. Um, they're to submit and obey him. But again, as we continue to look here, as we've developed these points, they're, they're not, we're not angels. Angels are not humans. And angels were not created to have a special relationship with God in the same way that mankind was created to have a special relationship with God. So think about it. The one who made everything that we've covered so far desired to have a deep and meaningful relationship with each human, with humans, with you, with me. He knows everything. There's nothing that's limited. We, we were looking here too that he's able to teach us about everything. He's all-knowing. He knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. He knew everything about Adam and Eve. The good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> it wasn't ugly then yet, but today there is. And, uh, and this God, our God, wants to have a relationship. Seeing all that, still desiring it. So how do we respond? Where, where is your heart at as you hear more of this? I mean, I know a lot of you are already at a point of in relationship with God. But even as you think of telling somebody else this part of the story as you teach them, does it excite you for where that can impact that person or where even you're being impacted tonight along this way? What do parents desire from their children? They care for them. They do that. They look out for them. Most parents love their children dearly. What do the parents desire in return? Obedience. Polite <laughs> way of saying slavery. Yeah. Yeah. Obedience. Yeah. The love, the respect, the obedience. In a marriage. How about that same thing? Okay. Say it again, Andrew. <laughs> that was Andrew Stark, his son. What kind of response does a husband or wife desire from their spouse when they show expressions and actions of their love? Reciprocated. Reciprocated, yeah. Love in return. A healthy relationship, whether it's a working relationship, a casual relationship, a personal relationship, it's built on mutual respect for care. If the relationship is just a one-way relationship, then... It's just kind of going through the motions, isn't it? The relationship will struggle. In a similar way, God desires that we'd love and obey Him. There's a neat article I found. I think I put it on your sheet there to reference if you care to dig into it on gotquestions.org, but this, it delves into this deeper. What, is it, what does it mean to love God? What, what comes to mind quickly? What does that look like? How do you love an unseeable, untouchable uh, creator? Obey him. him? How do we obey him? How do we obey him? him Let's keep batting this around. Why would we desire to pray to him or worship him? Yeah. Desiring time with him? Totally. Yeah. And I think that all revolves around because as you see all that he has done and understand through reading of the word, which is him speaking to us, when you understand that love that he has and the care and the concern, then in return to love God, I believe, is to desire him spend time with him, quality time with him, to desire his righteousness, like Tony said, be like him, to desire his word, because this is really how we hear God is by combing through these. And and I think I might have told you guys this early on, but a student I had before, she said, if this is the mouth of God, then why are we closing it? Open it. Let God speak, because he speaks here in the Bible. So desiring his word, Desiring his grace. 
and as we've been saying already, to obey him, to do what he wishes, not because God is a tyrant, but because look at how much he cares. Look what he's made so far. Like we're, we're up to those first three pictures there and just delving into the third one with Adam and Eve standing in the garden there. He did all that for them, for humanity. That's where, we be, that's where everything began. God created humanity for a relationship with himself. Let's read Genesis 1.27 together, <clears throat> just from the board here. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So he made mankind in his image. And today I've heard there's like some over 100 number of genders that people can identify as. Here it's saying male and female. Two. I just heard today, there's a group where you can take your kids to and they sing some of their songs with a pronoun Z. Have you guys heard of this yet? Heads up. If you haven't, it's coming your way. So it's a song of like, rather than like, you know, he loves me or whatever. I don't know. It's like Z loves, you know, rather than she or he, you're, you're using the pronoun Z because you don't want to, for goodness sakes, you don't want to assign a gender to somebody. But God is like, guess what? I've already assigned two genders in this world, male and female, man and woman, created in their image. So God did not only create man on the sixth day, but he created, the scripture also states that both man and woman were created on that same day. First man, though, Adam. And there's really interesting things if you dive into the study of the word Adam and Adam, and you can probably fill me in on more of it, but like just there's interesting things around the word Adam and what that sounds like in the Hebrew. I think, doesn't it mean like man in the original Hebrew? And isn't it related, like he was, we'll read this yet, but from the dust, and isn't there like a language relation? Anyways, just some cool stuff, non-essential, interesting stuff. So anyways, what's that? I got unruly students back there. means That means both man and woman, Yes, yeah, mankind, that's right, good point, thanks for bringing that up. Mankind is like human or humanity, it's including male and female. <laughs> I love it, it's good, should be laughter. Um, so yeah, man was first created as Adam and the first woman, and Adam named her Eve. So both were created by God on the sixth day. Um, where's my... <laughs> Marker. So I have up here, what does this one say? Can anyone read it? Lucifer. And this one? Angels. Okay, can you read my very shaded out letters here that you're not supposed to be able to see? Yeah. Listen here, laser eyed person. Yeah. So Adam and Eve. And so we, I know there's different, differing views on this, but we put it at about 4,000 years. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't. You only see God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lucifer, angels, Adam and Eve. Very good. Thank you. Good student. <laughs> um, so which of them was created in God's image? I mean, they're two different genders. Both. One more than the other? Because like, one was made first, Adam was made first? Was Adam made a little bit more? No. No. That's right. Both man and woman were equally and entirely created in God's image, just as God had planned. In Genesis chapter 2, God provides further detail of Adam's creation on day 6. And uh, we'll touch on verse 7, if you guys want to go there. Verse 7 of chapter 2 of how um, God started this. 2-7. So it says in Genesis 2-7, Then... The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person, or a living, living being. So from the dust of the ground, breathed into him the breath of life, 
And at that moment, spirit and soul into that lifeless corpse otherwise. As far as we can find in scripture, we don't see this with animals and angels. He just simply spoke them into being. So to help us to understand a little bit more, and I don't want to get stuck here, but the whole soul and spirit thing, um, let's just read a couple verses in the New Testament. Um, okay, this is a sword drill. I think it's kind of sword drill-esque. Get it up there. First uh, Thessalonians 5.23 and then Hebrews 4.12. Whoever has it and is, feels like the flipping has slowed, can you do 1 Thessalonians 5.23? Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whole body, soul, mind. So there's just a distinction there in the scripture that the, these are mentioned. And then Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to di- uh, dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So again, cutting between soul and spirit, God's word is differentiating. There's, there's two things here. Um, if it can be divided, then it's two things. Um, but I don't want to go deep, deep into that. I'm not going to run off on a rabbit trail there. But just at this point, when God breathed into Adam and Eve, there was these aspects of a soul and a spirit. And so at that moment, or maybe I should ask, at what point exactly do you think um, was Adam created in the image and likeness of God? In the, the 2-7 account, Genesis 2-7. At what moment do you think he was created in the image? Lifeless body, lifeless body plus breath, or later, some other time, or sometime before. When was he made in the likeness, God's image? Before, before the earth existed, or something. I don't think. So. I, I don't think so. No, it wasn't. We know the sixth day it wasn't. I think we have another one here. What's that, Brett? When you breathe the breath of life, I believe, yeah. The moment that God breathed into him, Adam's life, spirit, and soul, became, and he became a living human being. Because when he was living, now these attributes that we see that can reflect God, the image, how we're made in his image, a reflection of God, well, he's not much of a reflection of God if he's a dead corpse or if he's non-existent. <clears throat> so now here he rises. Think about this. He rises from the earth. We got a nice picture of him here. Staring at the face, and of course this is artistic rendition, but imagine it. He rises from the earth, he was from the earth, from the dust, he rises, breath of life, boom, in the face of God, he's looking at it, and somehow the face of God looking at him. The one who created everything, the one who created him, his ability to think and reason and feel, make decisions, to be creative, to have a relationship. Amazing. The man became a living person, became a living being. Was Adam given, did he give life to himself? Do we see that here? Who breathed the life into him? God did. God. Was it because Adam like laid there for a long, long, long time until something just happened? No. God formed him and breathed into him. He became living. that helps any or not but Um, so up to this point Adam was a corpse God breathed the breath of life soul and spirit into him gave him life creating him in his image now at this point you can imagine I don't know what Adam was all thinking but I, I mean he had the fullness of his mind he was made perfect because a holy God all powerful all knowing only makes perfection And yet, here he stands, dependent on God. Dependent on him for everything. Moment by moment, breath by breath, 
And as I talked earlier about that arrow that I pretended to make, if I made that, is it not mine? So God made Adam. Who is, whose is Adam? To whom does Adam belong? Right. He belongs to God. Let me tell you, or give you just this tiny little illustration about the truth that God is the sole source of life and absolute owner of it. Why don't you all just take a deep breath and now let it out. Where did that breath come from? Do it again. And that one? God alone. Can you go buy some few breaths of, breaths of fresh air somewhere? They got it in a box. Can you buy any fresh air? Okay. Probably in Beijing or something, right? <clears throat> there are oxygen bars, even. But back to the real point of the story. Not the exception. If you had no air to buy and you had to get yourself there, well, you couldn't even get yourself there. So let's scrap that. <laughs> we can't breathe independent of God. We're dependent on him. He is our source of life. And even, even a better example is like, who here have made their heart beat once today? Who sustains your heart beating? There was... Uh, just before we left, or no, sorry, just after we left Papua New Guinea, a friend of ours and his spouse, he was Papua New Guinean. He came, came to Canada or to the U.S. To, on a soccer scholarship and then met an American girl and they moved back and they had have five boys. Just like that, dropped dead on a soccer field at like 38, 39. He had no control over that. Every day that each of us have is no different. We are totally dependent on God as our source of life. He sustains us. Think about it. What did we read in Colossians 1, 16 and 17 a few lessons ago? And then Psalm 24, 1. I think I have it here. It states here that all things were created through him, for him. And he, God, Jesus, holds all things together. This has huge meaning for all created things, including us. We see from these verses, as we see from these verses, we can easily see who Adam belongs to, right? The one who created him. And I know that this, maybe you guys have grown accustomed to this idea, but even still, if I tell you, you are owned, that rubs a bit, doesn't it? even if you've become used to that idea. Tell somebody else on the street that. You might be in rebellion, but you are owned. Don't you tell me I'm owned. I am myself. I am an island unto myself. If it wasn't for me, nothing would happen, but it's because of me. I'm awesome. I'm me. I'm independent. I'm autonomous. No way. That is arrogance. We are owned, whether you're in rebellion or not. It doesn't change the fact of who ultimately owns life. Is God. We live in such an independent culture. And I think one of you guys had touched on it a while ago when we were writing up contrary beliefs of, of there being a creator. Not just like a Mother Earth creator, but God Almighty creator. And how people don't like that because if I admit to it, then I'm accountable. I need to submit. I need to come underneath. Goodness forbid in Canada that we come underneath somebody or something. But that's true. God owns life. He is sovereign. He is the ruler and the rightful owner. He made us all. So Adam, as we just bring it back to this time in history, he exists for God and he's accountable to God. Adam wasn't created to be independent. He was given the ability to think and feel for sure, to make decisions and make choices, but his very life was tied entirely to the one who created him, right? Moment by moment, breath by breath. 
you just, again, see all this, how we, we just need God's help in everything. And, and we might look at this and think like, oh yeah, like I need, I need God to like, you know, wake me in the morning and that kind of stuff. But no, as we like look at back at Adam, everything Adam stepped into was entirely because God did it. And it's easy to think, though, we're, we're different. Like, things have changed, things have progressed. But reality check, not really. We still depend on God to hold the sun up every day. We depend on God to keep the tilt of the earth just right. We depend on God to keep our hearts beating. Knowing these things, as I say these things, what is this doing to your hearts right now? Besides hopefully keeping them beating. <laughs> Which only God can do. What is this doing to your hearts? Your, your, your emotions, as I'm saying this. dependent, yeah. When I really stop and think about it, I'm overwhelmed <laughs> at how nothing really has to do with me. It's all because he sustains me and you. And it comes out of a place of love and desire of relationship. Not out of need, no lack. Purely love. God is a sole source and sustainer of all life. So this hook on this lesson is God is the source of life, all life, in that he desires to have a relationship with all people and desires that we would love and obey him in return. We've been given the ability to reason, to have emotions, to choose, to make decisions, at a different level from all of the rest of creation. He created us in our image to have a special relationship with him. And the creation account, it reminds us of how dependent, utterly dependent, dependent we are on him. Everything that we have, everything that comes to exist, is from God. He created a world in a purposeful way for humanity to survive, and not only survive, thrive in the beginning. So I think we should acknowledge him Acknowledge him and appreciate him for his care and faithfulness. When we understand the truth of who God is, the world today wants us to think that he's a tyrant, that he needs something, that he's lacking. But in the creation account, we see the truth of the matter. He lacks nothing, needs nothing, purely has done it all out of desire for relationship, to magnify him. Yeah, it's not out of a place of need on his behalf. And I just think when we understand that about him, when we understand that the care, the kindness, the graciousness, what he did, not because he had to, just because. It's like when you get your spouse maybe flowers. What did you get them for? It's not our anniversary. It's not our, my birthday. Oh, just because. That's like God said that. I, just, I did all that just because. Because. I love you. And not only does he love us, he's faithful. When we know that, isn't it compelling to love him in return, to obey him? Let's go a little bit deeper. We'll talk, take a moment to con continue just talking a little bit more about our uniqueness in the rest of creation. It states that we're made in his image. It doesn't state this about anything else in creation. As we look at some of these abilities that I talked on just mid-lesson, um, let's just kind of talk it out a bit with you guys. I just want to bring you into the discussion. One of the abilities I was saying is humanity has the ability to love and be creative like God. So being created in God's image simply means that humanity reflects some of his attributes. And maybe you guys have heard that. I think I had a buddy that actually had the shirt. It's like, be the moon, reflect the sun. <laughs> you know? But that's... Like there's a there's a nugget of truth there. Don't take it too far. You know, we are to reflect God, and it depends how you spell Son as well. Um, but our attributes, of course, are totally limited in comparison to God. Right? I don't think I need to wrestle your arm with that one. From what we've learned so far in our lessons, what attributes 
about God does humanity reflect? Creativity. Creativity? Yeah. You think of a musician or an artist or anything for that matter. People love to create. But create out of something, make, not out of nothing, right? We were talking about families already. Do we not love in our families and friendships in a way God loves as well? But of course, we're limited in our love. You know, if somebody slaps you in the face too many times, it gets harder and harder to love them, doesn't it? I mean, you might turn to a point where you'd never love them. And so in a sense, like our love is conditional. So God knows all things. We've talked about him being all-knowing. Nothing is hidden from him. If he's all-knowing, he's all-seeing. Of course, we're limited in this. We don't see all things, but, but how in this ability do we have knowledge? We can learn. Yeah. Right, yeah. You can like plan ahead in the future. Like you're carving something, you can imagine what that will be once you're done. Yeah, totally. Yeah, whether it's a, a sculpture or you think of like magnificent wonders of the human world that we've architecturally designed, like whether it's uh, the Leaning Tower or the Eiffel Tower or, yeah, many things, the, the pyramids. So even though we're finite compared to the infinite attributes of God, we still reflect his attributes. That other, another ability that I was talking about was we have the ability to, and I guess we kind of touched on this already, but think and reason, similar to God. How have we seen this in what we've touched on so far? To think and reason. Consequences. Think of that, maybe. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, the introspection. Yeah. Totally. And it, yeah, planning. Totally. Um, just trying to scan through. I got a lot of stuff here, but how about God? So God is holy. He's the final authority and standard of right and wrong, and He never can do wrong. He always does what's right. There's none like Him in this way, but. How do we fall into an ability there? He's in authority and righteousness. God is, yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. Being moral. Right. Yeah. God has given us that ability to have some understanding of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, not to the degree that he does. Yeah. Pleasure. Take pleasure in just the beauty, mountains, snow. Ice, tropics, anything, right? Beauty in a baby. I think God does that same thing. He rested. I think he sat back and took it in, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, a high level of communication, body language, verbally, yeah. How about, too, just with the, a third ability here of uh, given the ability to rule, rule over creation, similar to God as a ruler. We, in, uh, we might have read this one of the last lessons, but uh, in terms of reigning in Genesis 1, 27 and 28, there's mankind to reign. In Genesis 2, 15, there's, we're told that Adam was to tend, tend the garden watch over it. And then in 2.19 as well, to uh, name the animals. I mean, the process of naming something is, is an authority. God, so Adam was given an authority. So again, just another example to, to rule over creation. So God too, I mean, God is the ultimate ruler, ultimate authority, but God has also given this attribute to us, to humanity. <clears throat> I 
How do you guys see people ruling today? Government rule, it's a big one. Taxes. <laughs> the IRS, the CRA. Americans are really afraid of the CRA, R- IRS in the way that I feel like we're not afraid of the CRA. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> and it's also interesting, like, every culture, people around the world, some sort of governing structure or authority structure does develop. Yeah. It just always seems to come about. Again, in Papua New Guinea, in the tribal context, there was always an, an order like, of authority, whether it was like a high-ranking family down to the lowest-ranking tri- like, clan within the tribe. Yeah, just it comes out of who God has made us to be. <clears throat> um, what else do we have? Yeah, that's awesome, you guys. Again, we just see all these abilities as we are to reflect and have a relationship with God. We see this just played out in so many areas. And maybe sometimes we don't stop to make the connections and really think about it. But it is just neat to stop and pause, eh, and take it in. <clears throat> so what comes to mind, you guys, as we process the truth that God is our sole source of life and therefore the rightful true owner of life, not only life, our life. What's your reaction? <clears throat> Yeah, no kidding. I think it's far too easy to slip into like um, the uh, the same idea of you know God created the world, He set it spinning, and then it was hands off from there. Like we think our heart beats because of that's just how we're built. But in reality, we our heart beats because God keeps it going. I think it, that in itself is very humbling. Mm. It takes away a very it really crushes an independent mindset. That's very easy. Yeah, yeah, especially when that's the water we're all swimming in here. Because of who he is. Pardon? We live because of who he is. Yeah, we live because, yeah, exactly, of who he is. What else comes to mind as you process the truth that God is our, is our sole source of life? It also affects how you treat other people. Yeah. That's right. I think I have that here. I wanted to show this picture. Yeah. Sometimes we can feel like, oh, like I'm, I'm in a developed country, so I'm better off than some of these people. But point to one of those that isn't made in God's image. They or, all are. They all are. They all are. This one, too. It's like a, a human rainbow of skin coloration. Who's made in God's image there? Every one of those girls. I think it's, it could be surprising. Maybe some of, some of us have never looked at our life as being belonging to anybody other than ourselves. Tony was saying humbled because we recognize that God is the true owner of our life moment by moment, breath by breath, heartbeat by heartbeat. Yeah, gratefulness overflowing because really we're not the ones in control here, right? I'm not controlling my life in the sense of like my, my heart beating and living. <clears throat> for me, even with the things that are outside my physical body, like house or whatever other stuff that um, is in my life, that support structure or whatever, I also think about that's not mine either. Hmm. Even if I technically bought whatever, where does right. money come from? How does the relationship work? Or, you know, like it's everything I have is not. Yeah, the mind to do, to think, to study, the hands to carry it out, whatever. Yeah. I mean, too, like, I don't know if where, I don't know all of you personally, but this could also bring you to a place of just choosing to admit that, yes, I do belong to God. He made me. And if you're in rebellion to that, then you can choose to accept him to be the one who is true owner, final authority of your life, and listen to the word and what it has to tell you. You can admit that your true freedom, and this is a hard one again in our society, that your true freedom actually comes from living in submission to the one who created you. That's true freedom. True freedom isn't being released to the abyss, to outer space. That isn't freedom. I mean, if God uh, took away gravity and you did fly out to outer space, well, technically you're more free, perhaps. (laughs) But it wouldn't feel very freeing. 
You feel annihilated, dead, yeah. And so, as God humbles you, and as you think of sharing this lessons like this with other people, as you're humbled, as these next generation of established people are humbled, hopefully by God, and you learn we exist for God, we're also to be accountable, we're held accountable by God to Him, because He's ultimate authority as owner of all. So we need to apply this truth, you guys. We're, we're wrapping up. We're just kind of, we're going to cluster the truths here at the end. We need to apply the truth that God is the only source, provider, sustainer of true life, and therefore the rightful owner of it. So which beliefs in our society, I should pen this up here on the board. <clears throat> what beliefs in our society today push against that? That I'm the owner of my own life. Relativism? Yeah. You want to unpack that a bit for everyone? Yeah. Self-determining truth. Sure. Yeah, the self-made man, island, one-man band. <laughs> yeah, my way, my way of the highway. <laughs> what else? What other beliefs suggest that humanity is the owner of his life and not God? We're talking about lies. Yeah, efforts made to justify a different beginning or ends or means to justify all. Yeah. Where do we see some of this played out? What are what are examples of seeing some of this stuff? Lived out. So you mentioned one at the very beginning with the gender thing and how people are throwing truth out the window. So you can make up anything. Apparently, it has to be accepted as true. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, totally, yeah, self determining re- relativism. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, any and every aspect of the family that was ordained and put in place, Satan was attacked. Yeah. Hugely. Yeah. Euthanasia is another big one. Like, again, that, that's communicating I'm in charge of my life, I'm the taker of my life. End it. And it's happening around, all around us, you guys. Suicide. Like, Suicide. I've been shocked how many times I've heard of it since moving here just a few months yeah. ago. Yeah. But you have the opposite uh, argument with life support as well. Yeah. And so which, at what point are we playing God to keep ourselves alive? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And there's a, a big one, too, that's everywhere. Self-help. Self-help mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make the better you. Live your best life now. You know, fix yourself, straighten yourself out. See this person, see that person. They're the source. They're the authority. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 
You are the source of life. But I mean, yeah, we stop and think about it. We did a little exercise of breathing, of thinking about our heartbeats. It's like nobody can say that here I am tonight making my heartbeat. Yes, I understand there's healthy things you can do. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about stopping it and starting it, you know? There also seems to be great lengths gone to intentionally not give glory to God. Because there's a certain multiple of people that believe in God or in God or whatever. And they, they like to say things like energies. Yeah. They're good energies or this, this helps with the energy. And like, why don't you just call it as it is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just uh, the, the religions, like it. false religions, like the power of God and stuff like that, like energy from false gods or energy from false religions or something like that. Yeah, yeah, this is this is all these are all lies against God being the sole, sole um, source, sustainer, and owner of all life. It's saying, I do it, I made it, I make myself continue. I decide what gender I am. I decide what life gets to continue, which life doesn't get to continue with abortion and euthanasia. Yeah, family, what is family? Two women, two men, whatever. Let it be fluid. Um, and you're the source of life. Karma. Karma. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I'm like, what? <laughs> but Mother Earth is... Yeah, I've heard that one this week, too. Yeah, they gave thanks for the food to Mother Earth. Yeah. Oh, So are these truths or are these lies? And how, how, are they, how are they clearly pushing against the scripture that we saw tonight? Yeah, it's independent. And what, what did we um, uncover in just that second point there? Or sorry, the first point there. Is that independence or is that dependence? Yeah. Totally dependent on God for everything. Whether you acknowledge it or not, you are. Ain't nobody's made oxygen lately. Ain't nobody's been, whatever, making the stars go up and down, holding them in place. So what do we do with these? as these seek to take the place of God and His authority is all-knowing, is all-powerful, especially as source of life and the sustainer, not only the source. He didn't just set things in motion and step back. He's still actively in place. What do we do with these lies? Kevin, can you show me? Show me how to do that. But I want, I want you to walk it destructively over to that garbage can. We destroy these beliefs. Thank you. Crumpling. Slam dunk. I'm going to slam. A rebellious student. <laughs> it's true. We take these beliefs and we've we got to throw them out. We've got to destroy them. We don't take them back. But in our world today in Whitehorse, as we see stuff like that, that unplanned movie that just came out, it's like, where is your mind with that? Is it, is it okay? Is it not okay? As you hear a friend that's like, feeling like they're at the end of their rope and they want to go sign all the papers at the hospital so they can take the drink, literally, to end their life. What are you going to say? Where are you going to take them? Where are you going to take them? To God's word? To that the one who dearly loves them set all this in motion and is still actively involved and he's created you for a relationship. He's the giver and taker of life, not you. It's amazing, I think, as we look at God, the one who spoke the universe into existence, being the one who created us in his image for a personal relationship. He's made us to know him. He's given us his word to, to understand him enough that we can worship him, obey him, love him, reflect him. He didn't do this for any of his other creatures, for the angels, 
for plants, for animals, for us. His image bearers. How cool is that? Any final thoughts? I'll close in prayer and there's some uh, refreshment over there afterwards.